collision course for the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board or get out the way. Every single play, you got to find a way to get it done. Play after play after play after play. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. Exciting times here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, joined tonight by Vincent Lococo, Matt McGavick. The gang is here. Uh, we've got a special guest, the one and only Keith Wynn, recurring guest, the most frequent guest. Every time he steps onto this show, he's making history uh, because the appearances are stacking up. Uh, but we've got football to talk about tonight, and that is extremely exciting. Again, from the Pink Seats Podcast on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you heard last week's episode, if you're just now jumping over from that, uh, incredible stuff from Rico Hughes, one of my favorite episodes we've recorded in a long time. Uh, but tonight, instead of just talking about football as a sport, we're going to talk about Louisville football because, fellas, it has been, for us three gentlemen that host the show, it has been 128 days since we have previewed a football game. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did the math. That's It's, it's been a while. <laughs> it's yeah. been a while since yeah. we previewed the Wasabi Bowl all the way back on December 12th, <laughs> of 2022. Man, oh, if only we could go back and uh, give ourselves a little bit of some foreshadowing of what was to come, man. I, I, I'm speechless for what we just encountered over the last several months. But hey, we're on to exciting times. It is a new era in Louisville football. And Keith, uh, we've got, just like you, my friend, I've really, it really enjoyed the last couple of weeks because while everyone else is watching the transfer portal, the women's and men's side, Louisville baseball, there's been like four people consistently filling timeline with football. Uh, and you are one of them, and we are one of them. And so tonight, the worlds collide as we get to talk about the spring football game, and that is extremely exciting. So Friday night, 7 o'clock, Cardinal Stadium, we're getting a traditional spring football game on the ACC Network Extra. You can stream it on the Watch ESPN app. Uh, and gentlemen, I think we sh- I think most of us will be in attendance. Keith, what, what's your plan? Just going to watch from home? Because, I mean, the weather is supposed to be poo-poo from what, I, what I've seen here recently. You know, no, it's funny. I, I found out last Friday that I, I work like two miles away from the stadium. So uh, I, I, I'm i not usually on that side of town and I didn't realize it. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go no matter what. And <laughs> I might become media for a day and see if I can get in the press box. Yeah. Uh, for the first time go. ever. The yeah. first and only time. Go in the dark side. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, just tell them you're Mike Rutherford. They'll let you in, man. There, there won't yeah, be any questions asked on that. They send me all the emails. So I feel like I'm, you know, technically media. Let's just That's go with right. That. Yeah, you show up. No one's going to stop you, man. You're Keith yeah, Wayne. You know. They need you there to break down the spring <laughs> football game. But the content has been flowing as Keith has been previewing this game, just like we kind of have approached this like a regular season game. Um, and it's kind of silly when you think about it because it's just a scrimmage of two, you know, inner squad teams playing each other for literally nothing. But it's exciting because for the first time, we're going to get to see a lot of new faces and, of course, a new coaching staff. And so, gentlemen, let's start here. What's the most exciting thing that we're looking forward to on Friday night? I'm looking forward to a quarterback going through his progressions, uh, his reads, and uh, seeing, you know, more than just one option to throw the ball to. Uh, I'm exce- I'm I'm really excited to see Jack and see what uh, see what he can do. I want to see his mobility as well, and uh, just see how he moves around in the pocket with 
you know, bullets flying and stuff like that. I want to see how uh, Jeff utilizes Jawar Jordan and the running back game with how stacked that room is. So I'm excited to see how this this new defensive scheme works because obviously we saw how dominant uh, Louisville's defense was last year. Now, obviously, they, they do lose some key pieces like, you know, Cottrell Clark, uh, Yaya Diaby, Yassir Abdullah. We all know who, who they're all losing either by the draft or the portal or what have you. But, like, they, they still have some dudes on that side of the ball, and they've they've done a really good job addressing needs by the portal. And it, it's going to be exciting to see how this 4-2-5 scheme looks in actuality because I've already, I mean, I've already written like a handful of like breakdowns on this scheme and I've seen it a few times firsthand in some practices, but it'll be nice to see it in an actual live scrimmage for, uh, for the first time. Heath, what about you, man? You've been literally writing about all the practices. You've seen every practice snap that they've allowed open to, to the public. Um, you've been following along on, on social media as they've released clips. What, what is it that gets you excited for a game like this? You know, I think I think the potential of seeing the new guys, um, seeing who who maybe can be a guy to come in and really be a game changer for Louisville. Um, you know, I think they lost a good amount of guys. I think they I love the roster they have coming back. I think they have plenty of guys to work with. But, you know, you look at the wide receiver position and obviously I think that was, you know, a spot that no matter what, whether coaching change or not, they were gonna have to bring in some new talent from the portal. And I think that Jeff really crushed it. I thought I think he, he really added some key pieces and some real depth there. So, you know, seeing a guy like Jamari Thrash, can he be that guy, you know, that we've seen in Purdue's offense over the last few years? Uh, can a guy like Steven Haran, you know, Heron, Haran, I'm going to go with Heron. We'll figure um, it out. Uh, you know, can he be a pass rusher at the level or at least close to the level of what we saw from Yasir Abdullah as that edge rusher that we saw? You know, you know, and 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 in the spring game, you only get so much. But you know, this is that opportunity where you sometimes see a guy make those big plays, and it'd be really nice to see if these newcomers, some of these, you know, the higher level guys they got, can show a little flash of what we maybe will see in the fall. Yeah, all of those are very exciting things for me. What I'm looking for are the guys that are holdovers from the Satterfield roster to see who is able to step into roles here and become kind of focal points for them. Uh, and it's kind of twofold in that, right? I'm really excited to see the MJ Griffins and the Ben Perry's uh, and these guys, Ashton Gelati, really step into these more focal points within the defense, um, which is going to be extremely important considering you lose Trey Clark, you use you lose Momo Sonogo, you lose Monty Montgomery, you really lose everything that kind of was the 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 heartbeat of your defense outside of Ashton Gelati um, in the secondary. But what? How can those guys? take a step forward and really elevate this defense. And then the second part of that is what about the young guys? There are so many guys from the 21 and 22 class that we have still not seen on the field. And surprisingly, it feels like a lot of these guys should have really transferred by now, but I'm talking about wanting to see some of these, see who emerges. Is there a Raheem Craig? Is there a RJ Sorensen? Obviously we've heard about Popeye Williams. We know about the um, potential of a guy like Cam Wilson. We haven't really gotten to see much of it, but can these guys be, become more than just bench players and take that next step. And obviously when you're playing an inter-squad scrimmage, there's a lot of guys that are going to be on the field seeing snaps. And so I'm, I'm just curious to see, can any of those guys do anything more than, than just, you know, sit on the sideline and, and grow and, you know, become a part of a defense. Can they actually do that overall 
in a live game atmosphere. Um, it's going to be weird. What are the dynamics going to be like for you all? Do you feel like it's going to be, we're going to walk in there and it's going to be almost like this, this weight off of our shoulders. And I say are as a fan base, obviously we were there <laughs> last year all the way through thick and thin, but for a lot of fans, I feel like the weather probably is going to hold some off. And, and I, when I say it's poo poo, not to scare anybody, but 90% chance of rain in the forties with 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. It's not looking Beer great. <laughs> it's not Beer looking great. Cold. No, I'm hoping that they have like some chili or something at the stadium. Not match chili. Definitely want to make sure we steer clear <laughs> of that at the stadium. But something that is hearty and you know can help one um, still be able to enjoy football with that type that of chili weather. is hearty. What are you talking about? That's that is just an accurate it, description. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. That's why it's just bean dip in reality. But um, I, I just I feel like do you all feel like there's going to be just kind of like this renewed energy? And even though the weather will be poopy, that there will be some sort of just buzz and return of Louisville football that we've been missing. I think it'll be uh, definitely different. I mean, just not having a real like spring game the past couple of years with Sat and those guys. And uh, yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be a really a relief for a lot of people in a weird way. It'll be a, a weird way to say that, but uh, a lot of people coming back to games that haven't been in the past two years, probably. Uh, see, it just seems like everybody cares a lot more. Everybody's a lot more invested. Uh, and I mean, it has to do with the Brahms. It's, you know, Louisville's first family, as they like to say. That's right. And I forget what coach it was. Was it Steve Ellis? I can't remember who it was, but somebody was talking the other day about, oh, it was Mark Ivey. That was Mark Ivey talking about, you know, he went through a time where he saw some excitement around the football program, but never has he seen the buzz like what it is right now. And when you're talking yeah, about a guy. Yeah, you know who asked him that question? It was me. Oh, look at you, man. <laughs> putting your You got to drop your humble was, brag 19 in there. was fun. That's probably the excitement he's talking about. Everything else just felt – that was a lot of pressure. That's, it felt like a lot of pressure, at least in my position. Granted, I was 22 years old signaling, so I was ready to shit my pants regardless. <laughs> between the, between that quote and Jarvis Brownlee essentially, you know, saying that this staff has better coaches all around, it, it there were some really interesting sound bites throughout spring. I didn't get to listen to every bit of of media availability, but you know, like Ivy said, people are clinging on to all of this stuff, media availability, clips from practice, you know, seeing being able to finally go out to an open practice. Like that's not really been a reality the last couple of years outside of the scrimmage things last year. I don't even know what you want to call that. The first practice would be open. And I mean, you're not going to see really much out of a granted Matt. And I thought that, you know, we're going to win national championship after watching this first practice. So yeah. Yeah. I remember after that first practice, you guys were ready to draw all the conclusions on how the season was going to go. Hey, Jamari Johnson looked phenomenal in that first practice. (laughs) You know, it's a great kind of transition here. Now that we've got Keith, you know, we haven't really gotten to talk about spring football in, you know, the, the fullness of it, Keith, was there, uh, you know, I, you went to all the practices, like I said, was there anything to you that really stood out overall about this team um, just from a coaching standpoint? And then the same question from a player standpoint, was there anybody that just really caught your eye throughout your time there? Steve Ellis catches your eye, no matter what he catches your ear before he catches your eye. I mean, he's got (laughs) an insane amount of energy. He's extremely loud. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the the difference between the offense and defensive staff was something that stood out to me. You've got a defensive staff with a bunch of guys that are yellers, um, very loud, very you know, it's all instructive. You know, I'll start there because I, I don't want people to think when I say yellers that's a bad thing. 
they just yell. That's just how they coach. And they yell from a distance. They yell very loud. And you can hear They're them loud. very clearly in that stadium, right? <laughs> uh, where mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball, you know, it's just completely night and day. I mean, watching Brian Brown coach the quarterbacks, he's never, you know, less than, you know, a foot apart from those guys when he's coaching them up. You know, and it's, very, it's a quiet way of doing it. You know, and, and outside of Rich Owens, none of those offensive coaches yell at all. You know, and Rich Owens doesn't yell that much either. So seeing that contrast is really interesting to me. I, I just thought that was very – it was just unique to me, I, I guess, from from being at these practices from Charlie Strong all the way through to now. You just I've never seen a coaching staff that's that different from both sides of the ball. Um, but from a player standpoint, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me is how even things were and how crisp things were. You know, I haven't seen a blown coverage. I haven't seen a receiver running a wrong route and the quarterback's throwing one way and the receiver's going the other way. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of fumbles. You know, I don't think I've seen any fumbles, honestly. You know, you know, I thought that was something that really stood out, that they were from practice one all the way into last week, they practiced very crisp. They were, you know, outside of the tight ends not lining up in the right spot, that just seemed to be a, a thing that kept occurring. That happened every practice. Every it was single practice. really weird. It's very weird, and I can't explain it because it's these are veteran guys. It's not like they have new players out there that are all new. So, But outside of that, I thought it was really – Good to see. I think it's part of, you know, talking back to the roster that was left over. They've got some veteran guys that have been around and been in college for a while. Um, so I think that's that's a good thing. But I think that that does go back to your coaching. You know, these guys are learning what they're supposed to do. And I think the coaches are holding them accountable to make sure they're doing the right things. Because, you know, this is when you normally see things break down in practice. And I just have not seen that in the time we've been out there, which I thought was very impressive. And something that kind of stood out to me was that, you know, when you lose so many uh, impact guys on defense, like, you know, the aforementioned uh, Clark, Abdullah, Diaby, Momo, Monty, like all those guys, all, all those guys are impact guys. When, when you lose all that, no matter like the amount of talent you bring in, there's going to be a little bit of a transitionary period in the spring. There might, the fall off might not be grandiose once you bring in a bunch of guys, like once the fall gets here, but like, First, getting these guys all together, there might be a little bit of a transitionary period with so many guys in new roles, so many newcomers, yada, yada, yada. But the defense not only, I think, held their own. I think in the last one or two practices I saw, the defense was just flat out better, especially in the last uh, practice. And Keith can attest to this. like The de- the defense was swarming all over the offenses. And the run game, like – like a couple practices prior, we there was a practice where Jahar Jordan and Maurice Turner were getting anything they could, and then this last practice, this past Friday, they none of the running backs get anything. The pocket kept collapsing. Now that could be a bit of a testament to the fact that offensive line is probably one of the bigger remaining areas of transfer portal need uh, with this new transfer portal window. But I. One of my biggest takeaways uh, from spring ball as a whole, going to all this, uh, the open practices, was that the fall off from last year's defense to this upcoming defense is not going to be nearly as steep as I expect it to be. I think I think I'll I'll second that and I'll point out the thing that really stood out to me with how dominant the defense was was how good the coverage was. I mean, these receivers have speed; they're they're running good routes. This wasn't the offense is doing poorly and the defense is taking advantage. This is balls on time, balls where it needs to be, and Trey Franklin's there undercutting that route like it's nothing. You know, just beating the receiver to the spot, you know, making the play, using good technique. 
I thought that, you know, Antonio Watts, you know, who, who will likely push Ben Perry for playing time and, and be in the rotation more is just running with these slot receivers. Like he's, you know, he's, he's 225 pounds and you would think that he's just a, he's, he's a guy that's Trey Franklin size with the way he's running with these guys. I think there's still some talent there. I think they're, they're finding those guys, guys like Raheem Craig, who we've, you know, we've seen some flashes for him. Maybe with this new four four down lineman scheme where he's playing a little bit more on the outside eye of that tackle, you know, that's an opportunity for him as a smaller guy to maybe get around that edge a little bit better, to maybe hold the edge a little bit better as a as a run defender, as opposed to being kind of straight up, you know, with an with an offensive tackle that's a hundred pounds heavier than him. So I think there's some opportunity for some of these guys in this new scheme, but I think there's also some opportunity from guys that just haven't been out there yet, younger guys, so on and so forth. But, you know, I thought that that was the thing that really caught my eyes, that the offense wasn't playing poorly. This wasn't, you know, hey, the offense is, you know, just not there yet and the defense is taking advantage. I thought they just beat guys. And I think that's something that hopefully translates to the fall. Um, and, I, I, you know, I was only there. I, I wasn't there for the full practice, but I was kind of in awe. I was kind of just stuck by the fact that, you know, it was 10, 11 straight plays and the offense couldn't get a first down. And so I think that, you know, if we see that this weekend, it's just going to, you know, kind of build that confidence that maybe between the scheme, you know, that I was very concerned about, and I, I still will be until the fall hits, you know, and then the players, obviously, that you lost, maybe it's not as much to worry about if they look really good this Friday. Yeah, and that's not the tough part with spring football, right? It, the overreactions of if the offense doesn't do well, then it's, you know, the defense wasn't great. It's just the offense sucks or vice versa. Now, how about the, the situation down in the swamp when it was, what, 10 to 7 or 7 to 3 is the final score of the yep. spring game? Their, their offense looks like trash. That's, that's, that's going to be – that, that showed up. For it, it, it looks like small. a Graham Mertz ran offense is what it looks yeah. like. <laughs> right. But, I mean, that's, that's like the only, like, negative outcome I think that we could walk away from this weekend is if we have that type of situation. But overall, you know, if the offense plays well, that's a good sign that they're coming along and really clicking under this new scheme. And, and same goes for the defense. And, and, you know, it's really interesting. I, I didn't get out to any of the, the practices, unfortunately. But from what I, I read from, you know, Matt and from you, Keith, was the speed of the defense was there. And there were guys who, because of the defensive line, like a Jermaine Lole, like a um, Ashton Gelati, like some of the guys who are, have stepped in and played a lot, you know, Tafik Thomas, because of those guys being so impactful, you're getting to see some of these guys from the second level make an impact. And I'm really interested to see, you know, obviously there is a need for linebacker, right? You you can't go into the season with San Quan Clark and, um, you know, TJ Quinn is kind of your one and two or, you, you know, insert whoever you want to in that conversation. But it it is really interesting to see, you know, how they look and how they play because maybe we're just kind of because of what we saw on paper, we're drawing conclusions that those guys can't fill in those roles. But in reality, maybe they can, right? And maybe that's the kind of thing we'll see this weekend. I've talked a lot about TJ Quinn. I really liked what I saw from him when he was on the field last year. I know he's like my height, maybe even smaller than me, <laughs> like five nine, five ten, playing linebacker. But you know, he's a he's a guy who's fast and can diagnose plays, having that secondary uh, experience. And then, of course, you know, we're going to see Stanquan Clark who. I think could very well end up being a Dorian Etheridge type of impact player from a tackle standpoint. He may not lead the team in tackles this year, but I think you're going to see him make plays. So I'm really excited to see that on defense. Um, I'm also switching sides here to the offensive side of the ball. I'm really excited to see Jack Plummer 
Um, and I'm really interested to see, like Vince said, the, the ability to read a defense and uh, go through progressions. We're going to see for the first time in a couple of years a, a, a drop back. Like that's that might happen. We might see some, some under, under, center. Some under center football. How like about that, man? With that's a traditional wild. fullback. <laughs> you know, there's going to be no H back, no pistol. You know, we might see some a little tiny bit. You know, but I, I'm expecting it's so some bad. Very like traditional if, I, if I were to draw a formation for you, my formation would be quarterback and running back and pistol. It would not be <laughs> in shotgun. It wouldn't be under center. It would immediately go straight to pistol. I'm excited to see that. I mean, and I'm I'm curious to see if it you know maybe plays into favor for guys like. Uh, Guys like Jack and uh, even the backups like Pierce and Evan Conley and uh, Caleb Johnson. I mean, who knows that that might favor them more, the footwork of a drop back or rolling out from under center opposed to taking the pistol uh, footwork steps. You know, I mean, you, you just don't know how uh, how this offense is going to suit those other guys as well. Yeah, that's a really great point. Uh, and, but what we're going to see with Jack in the first team offense is this plethora of weapons, right? We've talked a lot about this offseason, Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman, Jamari Johnson, even, you know, Jawar Jordan and Mo Turner have been already applauded for their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which I've been screaming for that for three years now on this show for somebody to just check the damn football down and stop <laughs> trying to throw the ball so far. Like, let's just go east and west one or two times and just it's see what like happens. like it wasn't in the offense, Jacob. He just never threw it, okay? You know my take, man. It. I'm sticking with my take. I, <laughs> the, the inability to get the ball to the running back cost Javian Hawkins draft stock big time. But we're going to see that with Mo Turner and Jawar Jordan, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, and Keith, one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Jack Plummer was he comes into this offense, obviously having familiarity with Jeff Brom, right? Playing at Purdue and being recruited by them and and uh, playing those first couple of years there. Uh, and then he goes to Cal and he puts up decent numbers. But one of the things that you could kind of conclude about him just based off of the numbers and the team's sort of uh, inability to win with him as the starter. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but those, those two years at Purdue were two of the lowest win totals of Jeff Brom's years. And then at Cal, obviously is Cal football, but do you have any concerns about him being able to step in and not just be a game manager, but elevate Louisville from that spot to win football games and be the difference why they win football games? No, I think the biggest thing with Jack Plummer is that he hasn't shown <clears throat> the consistent ability to be a big play quarterback. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily all on him as much as this the the offense that he's just been he's been in charge of. You know, you look at, you know, some of his time at at Purdue, they didn't have as many developed deep threats, you know, as they maybe had in other years. And I think that Jeff Brom has done a very good job uh, during his time at Purdue specifically about working with what he has, changing his offense based on what he has to work with and what he had to work with when Jack Plummer was there is more of a of a short passing game and whatnot. And I think at Cal he stressed the field a little bit more. Um, you know, you had J. Michael Sturdivant, who was a great freshman wide receiver there, and I think he was a freshman All-American. Um, and, and, you know, you saw a little bit more of that there. Uh, I think the I think the thing with Jack Plummer is going to be more about the fact is can Louisville run the football, you know, because that's part of the issue that, that his time at Purdue is that they didn't run the ball very well, you know. And so, you know, when, you, when you're putting all of that on your quarterback where every time you drop back, 
you know, the defense is just teeing off. I mean, they know what's coming. You're going to have to throw the football. And even if you're not throwing the football, you can't run against anything we're doing. I mean, they weren't just bad at running the football. They were absolutely putrid at running the football. And, and I think, that, you know, when you think through that, when a defense doesn't have to worry about actually doing anything to stop your run game, they just stop it naturally, you get to do whatever you want. And so, therefore, you're playing against a, a, a tough odds when you're Jack Plummer because you're dropping back and you know the pressure's coming. Or, you know, they're not bringing pressure. They're just sitting back and just covering all your passing lanes. So you're having to throw the, throw the ball a lot shorter, uh, get some of that inter- intermediate game going, getting the ball out to your backs, like you said, checking down a lot. So I think that's the one thing is that if they can have an offense that it's a little bit more balanced from a standpoint of being able to run the football, now you have things to work with. And I think he, he has the arm strength. We've, I've seen that this spring. We've seen it in his highlights. He doesn't. It's not a question of that. Uh, he can drive the football. He's got this unbelievable natural throwing motion that is just, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's awe-inspiring. I'm not going to lie, man. You watch this guy throw football, and I think I'm He, he looks like, like a quarterback. Entire, <laughs> it's like his entire body was built to throw a football. Like, everything works, so it just flows. And so I think he has all the ability. The biggest thing with Jack Plummer to me is that he's been hampered by an, by offenses that are not balanced, and it's caused him to be this game manager type of guy and you know I would love to see with the talent they have in the running back room with what they have coming back on the first team offensive line and then the pieces they they can they can plug in there for those two spots there's there's a lot of I'm optimistic that the running game will be better than what we saw at Purdue uh, for the most of the time that Jeff Brown was there to kind of build off that last point Keith like I'm I'm also very optimistic that the running game is going to be not like what it was under Satterfield, because obviously that's not what it's not going to be. It's never going to be because of how the system is, but it, it's going to be a lot better than many people think it, it it will. At least I think so. That's because when you've got opposing defenses so focused on trying to stop the pass that it kind of just frees up space for backs in the box. I remember when we were talking to uh, Chris Barclay, he had a story about how he was in a film room with the guys one day and Jar Jordan just stops and asks him, like, Coach, do you normally see five-man boxes like this? And he said, yes. And when you when you give a five-man box or even a six-man box to a guy like Jar Jordan or Isaac Garendo or Maurice Turner, who all three of those guys have speed for days, the, the, uh, the, the, the running game can be an actual factor in this offense. And I know when you look at, like, just face value stats from last season, yeah. The rushing game sucked. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But Devin Mockaby, who, by the way, was a walk-on, still managed to rush for 900 yards. Yeah. So that's that shouldn't be understated. So the, the running game, it, it's obviously not going to be the focal point of the offense, but it's, I don't think it's going to be nothing. Well, and we said we said that a couple of weeks ago, and Keith, you may feel differently, but you know, one of the the big things here, just like it was with Satterfield when he got here with the wide receivers, was this is going to be one of the most talented uh, groups of running backs that Brom has had in his coaching tenure. Now, look, I know Purdue had some some good backs over the, the time, but look at how deep they are. Uh, in this room with the, you know, with Juar Jordan, with the Isaac Gariendo, with Kiwan Brown, once he arrives on campus, once you get all of these guys, Mo Turner in his sophomore season, I mean, this, this group has a chance to be really electric and be a game changer overall for this offense. Yeah, I think that that's the big thing is that that talent 
level is better than they had at Purdue. I mean, it's just, that's just flat out honest about it. And Maccabee, you know, was a guy that watching him play this year, I thought his style of running, uh, to your point, Matt, when you, they really utilize a lot, a lot of real easy runs, a lot of, you know, quick handoffs where it's not, there's not a lot of buildup. They're not running a lot of power stuff where you're pulling guards. It's just hand it off and take advantage of those, those light boxes because everyone's looking for that passing game. And Maccabee's at the second level in a couple steps. And his running style between his speed and the violence that he ran with, that is what got him to the point where when he had good games, it was just you watching him like this guy's just fun to watch, man. I mean, he runs so hard. And you look at what Louisville has coming back. Obviously, we know Jawar Jordan has that style of running where he just finishes runs and he 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 takes it out on the defender. I think Maurice Turner looked good when it came to a, an improved ability to break some tackles during the spring. He bounced off some guys. He kept things going. I thought he looked a little bit stronger this than in the spring than he did as a true freshman. And then Grindo is a 220-pound guy. I mean, he's yeah. not going to have any problem running mm-hmm. through tackles and getting extra yards. So there's obviously – there's that optimism. And like I said, I think it's all about the scheme stuff. You know, I think that's where the questions come of can they really scheme a run game, um, an improved run game? You know, it was good last year, but it wasn't great. It was it was good because of Maccabee, I think. But the scheme was more about taking advantage of those light boxes. You want to see what happens when, to a standpoint, of can you get it more balanced? And it's not about taking advantage of what the defense does. It's taking it to the defense and doing what you want to do as a run in a run game to set up your pass play. And I think Jawar Jordan is good enough to dominate a game. We've seen him take over, you know, for the last. I think Keith, you posted the stats of his kind of the finish to last season and just how special he was. Uh, it's going to be important to see that over a full 12, 13 game season. It, it was just in, you know, the final part where he really became the go-to guy. And the big reason that was, is because even when you had Jalen Mitchell and Trevion Cooley, and you had this full room of guys before all the entries and transfers start to impact, he still was the one that time and time again, popped always, mm-hmm. even if he was the fourth guy getting the carries, he looked better half of the time than anyone else getting the majority of the carry. So I'm excited to see what he can do on a, a you know, from a being the, the main guy that feed the stud mentality, that Bobby Petrino esque type of mentality with running backs, excited to see what that looks like for him. All right, let's real quickly, we're going to take a, a, a break real quick, step aside. Uh, and on the other side, we're going to talk to Keith Dwayne about uh, some of the recruiting news that's been going on. Uh, Matt and Keith have both been covering that. There's some important transfer visits that are happening. The portal uh, is very active in college basketball, and we're waiting for guards to to go there. But uh, we shouldn't ignore the guards in the football portal. Uh, that's very important. And there's one position that this team has to address in the transfer portal. I'm going to tell you what that is on the other side, because if not – We're going to be having some questions um, about a phase of the game that we often kind of neglect. Uh, So before we step aside, L&M Eats, need to make sure that you're watching that uh, YouTube right now. Subscribe to the State of Louisville um, YouTube channel and watch that first episode of Shenanigans Reels. Those guys will be on the field, and I I cannot wait to watch both of them get snaps on Friday night. Um, I'm excited to see kind of where they shake out in this race for some of the open positions on the offensive line, but um, obviously we know what they can do on the field. Off the field, they put down the food and they did that in the first episode they'll do that in the second episode which will be coming hopefully at the end of next week if not the following week so subscribe to the youtube channel state of louisville we will be right back on the other side to talk recruiting
We're back on the other side from the Pink Seats Podcast. Jacob Lane, Vince LaCoco, Matt McGavick, Keith Wynn, uh, talking spring football and what you can expect on Friday night. Um, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Grant Mulligan. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and, and do so now. Uh, not now. Wait until after this one. <laughs> then go back and listen to it. But we talked about 2024 recruiting and where this um, where the team is now with the, the three big commitments in Isaac Brown, uh, Deuce Adams, and TJ Capers. But there is a lot of transfer portal activity that's starting to happen as spring football wraps up across the country. We've seen a lot of big names enter the portal. Um, and my favorite today is somebody who entered the portal. Uh, the last portal opening is now entering the portal again. So we've got two transfers and two different transfer portal windows in the same year. We're going to have some crazy stories over the next like five years of guys transferring three times in a season or something like that. But um, a lot of recruiting news is happening uh, and a lot of guys will be on campus for this game on Friday night. It's very unfortunate they're going to come here and have to experience that, especially like hoping there's really not a lot of guys from like Florida you know, like guys who are using good weather and they come here in the middle of freaking April and it's 49 I mean, degrees. the snow worked for those guys from California. I'm sure they'll find some way That's to a take good some, point. Co- it, take God, some that cool was like pictures. That was a year ago, wasn't it, man? The snow yeah, pictures? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure they they'll had, find Look, man, they had a streak of some real badass recruiting pictures, like just for like two, yeah. two or three months. I mean, it was just like they were everywhere, not even just locally, but all over the country. I'm still amazed. And when we do eventually get Steve Clarkson on here, you guys are going to get to watch me have my lives combined between my work life and my uh, side life of, of this. I made my <laughs> podcast sound like my mistress, but my my <laughs> podcasting <laughs> life and my work life, I work in advertising for a living. And I'm so interested to talk about the billboard purchases that they made last Jacob's year. With Pierce. just going to be going through his resume the whole time. I'm just curious, you know, who would venture <laughs> go through? No. So, um, but we're talking recruiting now and, and we teased on the other side that there are still some needs, including one that I think it stands out above all else. And it may surprise you as to what that is. Uh, but Keith, can you just quickly for the casual fans who are just now checking in and they don't know anything about the portal opening, who are some names that Louisville fans need to know um, from the portal specifically that are either visiting or have interest or could have interest in Louisville? Oh man. Uh, it's funny because Louisville has spots. So they've got a lot of guys that they're, that they're talking to. I think uh, one of the bigger names is Keith Brown, a uh, linebacker out of Oregon. Uh, was a four-star guy uh, coming out of high school. Uh, didn't, you know, just hadn't been able to get on the field much at Oregon, but it's, it's interesting to me because he's he's got uh, connections to uh, Tracy Ford Sports out there, which is uh, one of the one of the biggest names when it comes to um, uh, seven-on-seven and training and whatnot, kind of like aspirations here is in Louisville. That's kind of what they do out there. And he was responsible for getting some of the guys the high school guys from Washington last week. Well, then Keith Brown hits the portal and immediately says he's coming in for a visit as well. Um, I think that's that's just goes back to that relationship aspect that Pete Knott has really developed out in the West, where you know he's getting guys to come out here from all over the place. So uh, Brown should be in. Um, I know they've, and I, I'm not gonna lie, it's hard to keep up with all the names. I know um, I did kind of put you on the spot, but you also have like literally tweeted about every recruit. So I didn't know yeah. if like, you have the Keith Wynn database just at the top of your noggin, like ready to roll. I'm getting super old, man. Like I, I forget these kids' names like it's nothing. I used to be able to whip these out like it's nothing. Uh, they do have a kid coming in from uh, Campbell uh, who was a four-star recruit coming to high school that had offers from everybody. And I still couldn't tell you why he ended up at Campbell. Uh, but he had a really good freshman year as a freshman All-American. He'll be coming in. He's a safety prospect. 
Uh, I know they're looking at, or I think and hope they're looking at Cam Kelly, who just transferred out of Virginia. Uh, he was a kid that was at North Carolina and uh, was uh, Virginia before transfer. that. Uh, That's yeah, the one so I was talking about earlier. <laughs> he's a guy that I think that it would be a really good opportunity to bring in a veteran safety. Uh, obviously, they they wanted to bring in Miles Slusher, who was an Arkansas transfer, lost him to Colorado, and they had to kind of replace him. So uh, I think they're looking for another veteran guy there. I'm a little surprised they're looking at multiple safeties because safety is a spot that I think that they have a lot of depth as long as they're healthy. And right now they're not. But I think that, you know, when the when fall hits, I think they should. But uh, linebacker is a spot that it seems like they really want to uh, get some guys in. But they also have some offensive line guys are looking at. Um, I'm not sure who's visiting from that standpoint, but they offered Troy Vincent, I believe is his name, uh, Appalachian State's uh, center, who was a freshman All-American. Uh, they've got um, transfer <laughs> from right. Rutgers. <laughs> Uh, that's supposed to be coming that is in. so funny that you say that because it's sweet, so he tweeted that the other day and I was like, the irony in this. Yeah, yeah. We no, offer the first yeah. App State player after Sat leaves. Like you would have thought we would have been littered think, with App I, State. That might guys. be his last uh his last recruiting class out there too. Maybe. And like if the timeline adds up correctly. At like worst, this was like the class he recruited whenever he left. To go to worst, you know, like Cardwell probably at least coached him while he was there. Or oh, for sure. Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, but I think the big thing is I know from a from a guy standpoint, not going to remember everything, but the positions they're really they're really targeting so far offensive line, which I think depth is is a concern because they're so young there from a standpoint of their backup spots. Um, and and I think that there's just still a lot to know, a lot left to find out of whether or not those guys can step up and play if called upon. You know, I think one of the hardest things in spring practice is when you get your second group of offensive linemen, they're all they're all new. And I think if maybe you plug in one of those guys with the first group, they might look a lot better than they do with the second group. But you don't really know that until you get there. So they're they're looking at offensive linemen, they're looking at linebackers, and they're looking at secondary players, both corner and safety. They need a corner. Um, I don't. I think that from outside of Jarvis Brownlee and Trey Franklin, no one has done anything that we've seen in the five practices. Not a single player. Hold on, so I think hold on, there's... hold on, hold on, hold on. You're 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 just casually dropping Trey Franklin into this conversation as if like he's been like a part of the rotation when in reality he should have been under Brian Brown last year because of how well he played the mm-hmm. year before. I just want to just stop you because to the casual fan, they're like, who is that guy? I've never heard of him. To us, we know who he is because he popped a little bit throughout his career. But you're talking about Keith, that him being a star. I saw your tweet. I mean, he was one of the guys that really stood out to you as being like kind of like not dominant, but ch- maybe ready to challenge Quincy Riley. I mean, I, I would use the word dominant in the way that he showed out in practice of what we've seen. Um, he's been really good. He's very aggressive. I think he fits what they do a little bit more because Ron English's whole scheme, at least from the corner spot, is they're going to get in your face. They're going to challenge you. They're going to play really, uh, really tight press coverage, and that's what he excels at. But he's been doing it very consistently. Uh, I think the biggest thing about Franklin is that you know, he played he played some of that slot corner, he's playing against faster guys, and he just doesn't have that foot speed. And he 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 got beat sometimes. But I think, you know, he had I think he had three interceptions in the last two years. Uh, you know, he's shown out a little bit. He he but he was maybe the fourth he was the fourth corner. Well, you lose Chandler Jones, you lose he was a fifth corner, I guess, really. You lose Chandler Jones, you lose uh uh Keetro Clark, and he's a guy that stepped into his in his role and he's playing because Quincy Riley is still hurt they're holding him out he's only doing drills right now and he's taking this opportunity and running with it and that's what you that's one thing that you want to see in the spring is who is 
going to get the opportunity and actually show out. And I think that he, out of anybody, and of course, obviously, the wide receivers, the DBs, are the easiest guys to 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 be able to see when you're watching this stuff because everybody the defensive front is just a man on the bodies. You know, you can't really see who's really standing out. But he's played really well, and I think he's a guy that they're going to be able to rely on. But I think at the corner spot, outside of those two guys, and obviously you feel confident that Quincy Riley is going to bounce back and still be the guy that he was. There's nothing there. Well, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound at the top. What about Killebrew though? So he's been out so far with injury through spring, right? Or has he participated? No, he's, in- he's played. I mean, he's he's had flashes, but like he's overall had like a, a slightly quiet spring. Maybe quiet's probably not the right word, but he he hasn't been as noticeably impactful as Franklin has. You want to see these guys make a play here and there in one on ones and and you know seven on seven or if they're going full team and. I think everyone has done something. You know, Brownlee's gotten three or four picks in the first couple of practices. Brownlee looks well. really good. D'Angelo Hutchinson made some plays where you see him, you know, breaking up the pass and close on the MJ Griffin has looked like an All-American out there at times. He just looks like he's just super comfortable doing all, all the things you want him to see. So you want to see that for maybe a, a third corner. You know, another guy that can step up and say, you, you, you see him make a play here and there. And between Derek Edwards, uh, Jeremiah Caldwell, and 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 uh, Miles Killebrew, Rose Killebrew, Rose Killebrew, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, MG, no, MGK, MGK, right? Yes, there we go. That's uh, what we're just uh, doing. <laughs> MGK, man, that's what we're gonna stick yeah, with here. I told you, I'm, I'm getting old, man. These names are just not sticking with me. And every kids. kid, I mean, kids are around for half a year now, and then they're up and out of here, so you never know who's yeah, I'm, on the I'm team terrible. Anymore. So, hey, you know, you just want you're, you're you great with numbers, flashes, though. right? <laughs> You just want to see those moments where, hey, I play here, there, and we've only seen five practices. He could be killing it every other one. But from what we've been able to see, corner is a spot that they, they want to – they probably need to bring somebody in that they know that they feel confident they can get out there. They have two corners coming in, I believe, this weekend. Um, so that, that's a spot they want to they want to address. Safety is a spot. Linebacker is obvious. But it's all the spots you expect. They're not looking at another receiver, and they're not – I think tight end's a spot that I think they, they want to bring some guys in. They've got two guys visiting from that standpoint as well. So they have a lot of space because they they the the high school class they brought in this year was so small. The plan, I think, under Satterfield was to use the portal more. And I think that when Brom got here, it just it was like a blessing without even knowing it because you're obviously any kind of change of a coaching staff, you're going to want to bring in transfers to fit what you need. And I think they're going to really utilize the portal they got a lot of guys coming in. I think they're going to land a lot of these guys because they have the opportunity to get on the field. All right. Here's what I was going to say earlier. I agree with all of that in terms of um, the needs for Louisville, right? So you you really list them off there, starting with um, linebacker. I think that's where most people kind of go. Tight end is another one. Uh, and, Matt, you pulled some really uh, interesting statistics as to – what the tight ends from last year kind of did in the offense and what they were um, kind of brought here to do and how that necessarily doesn't translate uh, overall. But what I think is the most important need for Louisville right now is a punter. Okay. You said that. I, I, I knew you were going to show. <laughs> yeah. Vince knew. Louisville needs a punter, man. Like, I know that you have Brady Hodges on the roster. Cole Hussing, I think, has punted some in his life. I believe that those are the only two punters right now. Well, to, Evan, to Conley's, the... Evan Conley's punted during practice. Oh, okay. Jacob, uh, to kind of stop you there, uh, Brock Travelstead's been taking punting reps. That's fine. I understand. He's that. not looked 
like he's not been terrible. He's not been great, but I'm not I mean, inspired he's... by what you're saying. I, I think you're kind of hammering my point home here. Is that <laughs> okay? Yeah, good, good, good point. I thank point you, taken. Matt. Thank you. I, I do a little big J journalism every once in a while myself, but uh, I think from, from the standpoint of what, what one of the issues we really saw Louisville have up until last year when um, Mark Vassett really dominated and God, I can't wait to see Mark Vassett play for Deion Sanders. Dude, that's, that's that ball you know, is I'd love to do it. He is going to just inject uh, Mark Vassett with just a level of swag that he did not have. He's going to turn into the punter that used to play for the Ravens, and I am blanking on his name. But if Marquette you remember, King. Marquette King, he would punt and celebrate like a wide receiver catching Either that or be like an old buddy from Miami. Yeah, yeah that's right. Or, past couple years, the other Aussie. Presley Harvin down at Georgia Tech was one of a, one of my other favorite punters. Oh, uh, he was Yeah, fantastic. he was great, man. Every Mason, once King, in a while. Mason King was pretty swaggy out there, man. Ah, I don't know if that's the word I'd use. <laughs> Mason King was a was a little you know a little fratty for for overall compared to Swaggy, but uh, I'm really I, I really do think that if you want to be able to play all three phases well, Louisville needs somebody who can really put some air under the ball and help them with field position. That has been a real struggle for them, and it was under Satterfield um, and Carl Maslowski and the, the staff coming in from a special team standpoint, uh, I don't have their, their stats. I'm hoping it's better. I don't know. I just, we'll just get a punter for the that purpose won't of the argue conversation fans in the stands. <laughs> That's right. We need, we just, Hey, let's do a contest at halftime. That is a great idea. Halftime spring game. Who can punt the furthest? You get a roster spot. That's Punt, the pass and kick <laughs> for a scholarship. Brian, that, that, hey, I'm <laughs> Whenever we did a, did that alumni film session, Brian turned to everybody's like, "We love trick plays. We love trick plays." You know, if any of you guys have any trick plays, send them in. It might end up in the playbook. And I'm just picturing <laughs> Jacob drawing up the most absurd trick play and oh, being like, "Hey, email this to staff." Yeah, email right. This to staff. Hey, big, hey, next time you go see Jeff, I, just just give him this. It's like a mixtape, you know, a rapper who always wants to get his mixtape. It's me trying to draw plays up to where the running back. You're gonna be standing out the ball to the offensive line, hoping you see one of them. You're like, hey. But that's, that is a position I think that's underrated in special teams. We don't talk about it enough, but, you know, you feel really confident with James Turner this year as your guy. I mean, he really bounced back strong last year and kind of um, showed that the the end of the year before was a fluke or maybe just a confidence issue. Um, and so you feel good there. And, and then Brock Travelstead has handled the kickoff duties, you know, for the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. So you have that kind of covered. But the punting game is important. I know it's not sexy to talk about punting. But it, it is every once in a while when you get a good punt, it can be sexy. Like it can it's be sexy when it's down in the tube and we get well, to I the think, field position. Well, here's the thing. I think that, you know, one of the things, you, you know, when you put it all together, punting is important when, when you have an offense that maybe doesn't score all the time but does move the ball very well. Because then you're putting, your, you're putting yourself in a position where your punter can actually be a huge part of how your defense starts off their drive. Uh, and I think, you know, when you look at two years ago, you really did see where punting was an issue and, and the defense was put in a bad spot a lot of times because that offense did stall out a lot. There's three and outs a lot more, you know, they're, they're just that, that they didn't get a lot of first downs at times. And next thing you know, you're punting to the 50, you know, maybe the plus five. And now you're, now you got a half a field to go and you're giving up field goals at least at that point. So, you know, it is important. I, I think from what I've seen, I think the biggest issue is just consistency. You know, those guys can boom the ball, both Hodges and, and travel said, but it's going to be – it's not every time. And, you know, you really want to see – I would say from my standpoint, I think I pointed this out in one of my threads, 
you would hope you want to see that improve over the summer. And if you can improve that consistency where they're hitting the ball a lot better each time out, I think they'd be fine. But when you have it's 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 not just the inconsistency, it's where they're going from sometimes these punts that aren't even reach, reaching the return man, you know, in practice. And then sometimes <laughs> they're hitting him over their head. You know, it's 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 a wide gap between their good punts and their bad and their and their normal punts. And then you have their bad punts. And then, you know, so so when you see that, that's where you kind of question, okay, do they need to get somebody else? But I, I think the hard thing for me is I feel like they have a lot of kickers and punters on the on the roster at least. Uh, I'm not sure who all still here. Who I'm not, I mean, those are the only two guys punting at practice, so I'm not sure if they have other options, you know, here available now. And if not, yeah, they they might they might need to use a spot for the you know for the punter spot as, in the portal. Yeah, it's Cole Hussing, Brady Hodges, uh, Brock Travelstead, and James Turner are your four kickers and punters combined right now. Um, so definitely some work to do there, I think, from a recruiting standpoint. And again, no, it's like nobody wants to trade for, you know, a a backup center in basketball. Nobody wants an offensive lineman traded for a draft pick. Nobody cares about a scholarship being offered to a punter, but it's essential and it's important. And that's one thing they need to kind of cover over the next couple of months to build that's this roster out. That's the crappy out. thing with giving a punter a scholarship and uh you just don't know if he's going to be able to be that guy until he's doing it. You know, it's almost like they should have be able to, isn't there that basketball rule where you can work the guy out now during a recruiting visit or something like that? Is it, did, did I see, hear something about that? I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know, but I, I feel like in the, well, it's in the NFL where you can like work, work out a draft I mean, pick. Like, that's like, like the idea. one position in football where I would be like, okay, I would really love to see this guy just kick live in person. The hard part also from a, from a roster management standpoint is if you're looking at having three scholarship kickers, you know, like two of those guys actually kick the ball, <laughs> you've got a guy on scholarship. I mean, that's a position that some teams don't have anybody on scholarship and they're perfectly fine, right? So right. if you're talking about three guys on scholarship, only, you know, and travel set is just doing kickoffs. I mean, that's something that at, after a while you kind of you kind of look at from a roster management standpoint. It's not. It shouldn't be a huge deal. You got eighty-five scholarships, but when you start really getting down to, we really need this guy. We need another spot, and you don't have a scholarship available. I mean, it's it becomes an issue. And uh, I was reading a story today. Clemson's three over their scholarship limit right now, and they're going to have to pull three scholarships from scholarships from former walk-ons. You don't want to get in that spot. We saw that with basketball with Kyle Keurig. You don't want to get in those positions where you're like, hey, I've got to pull, you know, a scholarship from you know Francis Sherman. I think he's on scholarship now. Yeah, I'm not he's sure. On he is. Yeah. You know, yeah. those guys like that where they're contributors, they play, they do all the things you're asking for, and it's like, hey, well, we need another spot. Or, you know, a guy yeah. like, you know, Travelstead who's, hey, you're just doing kickoffs and, you know, maybe we, you know, we got to pull a scholarship. You just don't want to be in that position. And if you're, and to your point, if you're getting another guy on scholarship and, hey, you still maybe don't know what you're getting, it's just, it's a, it's a bad spot to be in. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's it's unfortunate. I don't think they thought they were going to lose Mark Bassett. I don't think I don't, that was the most unexpected transfer <laughs> I've seen since in in the last few years. It's just like this guy just it was almost all ACC. Dude, what do you think? What do you think his NIL deal was? Like, what do you think they threw in on that one, man? Like, I, I'm curious what Mark Bassett demands on the NIL market because, I mean, I just you like you said he dominated here. He's this shoe in punter. What you you can't Funny trust anybody won't transfer anymore, man. Yeah. It I mean, my biggest, my first guess was that it was just like you know what, 
he just maybe wants to go out to Colorado and and, and live in Colorado and then punt punt in you know that that atmosphere. Yeah, and, and I feel like you it, can but, you can smoke weed and still kick and punt like for sure. Altitude. For You'd sure, get stupid out. Oh, that ball will go flying. That's a good point, man. The altitude kind of works in your I mean, favor. You don't want to get your, you don't want to get in a spot like where we were in sixteen, you know, and have uh, a guy like Austin Johnson be on full scholarship and he's not your starting punter. Mason Kings, your starting punter as a walk on. You don't want to get the wrong guy a scholarship. And you know what? I think there's a Trinity kid who is a punter that committed to Louisville months ago who might be, you know, showing up. He'll probably be the guy then. Well, there we go. All right. We just answered that. Yeah. I love, I love the Catholic schools in in Louisville because I have these threads and I've got, got what, 40, 50 threads from practice. And I think I've had more questions about that kid than (laughs) some of the other like wide receivers and whatnot. Can't remember his name, but I've had people. Wait, if I start tweeting up. about the punting, that's what I'm getting. Like, how does this guy look? And I'm like, I don't even know who you're talking about. First <laughs> off, secondly, he's not on the roster. Third, if it's this other guy out here, his numbers blurred. Like, he's got his jersey up. So I was like, I don't know who. It's like he, it, we're talking about punting, really? Like, I don't know who these guys <laughs> are. I'm not. I'm not that good. I, I, I will admit, I think I'm good. I'm not that good. So but, you know, but we're but gonna have to. We're going to have to roll out the roster quiz again for you once we get closer to the season where we quiz you on the jersey numbers like we did last year. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. That was that was a great segment gets, in, in history here on the show. we got to wait till it gets updated at some point. We'll see when that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Matt said to me, says, who's that? Who's number? And I'm like, I'm guessing it's this guy. Is a uh, same build? I don't know. Yeah, because there, there were two guys during spring ball who were not listed on the roster. It was number 21 and a 60-something. Well, he updated 21. He, Popeye Williams is still number 19 on the roster, though. So, you know, that's maybe saw the maybe <laughs> so tweet. Ex- I'm so excited to watch that kid play. Like, I'm probably the most excited to watch Popeye, Popeye on defense than anybody because, I mean, I think he can really fill that Yasir Abdullah role. Everybody's loving to talk about Stephen Heron and, and how awesome it's going to And I think he's going to do great things for us. But, I mean, I'm going to have to go against my Trinity brother on this one. And, you I'm know. Sorry to say you're going against the Trinity brother. I, I, know, I know. Popeye, man, he just has, you know, that that first step get off type deal, just that natural gift of football that God blessed you seer with, that he also blessed Popeye with. And Popeye I, looks like a freak of nature now, too. That's the thing. Popeye that, eats a spinach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks outstanding from a physical standpoint. And I think, you know, it's funny, I've, I've, I've said this a few times, you look at what Yusir Abdullah and Yaya Diaby did last summer and how hard they worked to improve their bodies and, and, and put on that bulk and get faster, get twitchier, things like that, and it showed on the field. Yusir was a guy that was coming back from a good year, and I think he looked even better next year. Yaya looked like a completely different person uh, in that next year from a standpoint of how fast he was and how much quicker he was off the edge and things like that. And I think we've seen it. Obviously, their draft stock is where it is. They're going to get drafted here in the what next weekend. And I think these guys on the team now, especially those guys on that defensive front, which I think is the strength of this, possibly the entire team. I think they they have guys there that are going to be able to step up and play well this year. I think they're going to see what those guys did and really take that to heart and really work on themselves to get better this year. And you already have hard workers like a Popeye, who's a hard worker. You have Ashton Gelati, his high school film uh, – tweets of himself working out in his back patio during the pandemic was why I was like, this guy's got a great take. I think he has a chance two star or not. I don't even care. I think he had the ability to work hard. I think seeing that and seeing the results of it is just going to push those guys harder. I think there's a real chance that their defensive front next year, this fall 
could be way better than expected, even though they have on, they've only added, you know, Heron. That's really the only new guy. But I think every the the entire group of them, I think they have depth, and I think they're gonna have a lot of guys that are gonna be working harder to get to that point where you see her and Yaya are on ESPN and on the draft and things like that. I think it's just gonna spur those guys to work harder. And I'm I'm excited about that for the summer. Before we, we end up uh, here wrapping the show, but uh, I just saw a graphic that was shared to the story on Instagram of Jawar Jordan, and it is the early FPI index for the best chance to win the ACC. Uh, I'm going to give you guys one guess as to who ESPN is favored to win the conference. Uh, BC. Oh, those are both <laughs> great guesses. I'm really excited for, for both of those because I thought you all would come out and, and ruin that by just guessing who it was. So I'm glad that that wasn't the case. Matt, I'm going to give you a chance to guess. Big J Journalism, do you know who it is? Let me guess, Clemson? That's right. Clemson has a 44.8% chance to win uh, or 44.5% chance to win the ACC next season. Florida State next with 17. Then UNC, Pitt, Miami, Louisville not in the top five. Uh, right now, I'm not a I'm not a betting man, but if I was, and if the odds were out, maybe they are. Somebody who is a betting man could tell me I would take Louisville to win the ACC right now in a future bet, and feel like there is a legitimate chance that that might happen. Now that that seems crazy. Okay, go ahead, Vince. I was gonna say the Atlantic. Or I guess it's not even the Atlantic side anymore. Is no, it? you got to no work the division. Yeah, the right. whole thing, yeah. man. Now, yeah. look, I know that's crazy, but th- this ACC is more wide open than it has been. Florida State's going to be good. I really think – I don't understand the obsession with Miami this year. I understand they've got some guys coming in and out, but, like, they weren't – I don't either, Crystal man. ball was nothing nothing really impressive, although I think he will be something impressive. And, you know, really, I'm extremely nervous about Florida State myself if I had to, you know, be honest yeah. with you. I mean, my, Miami has followed the same damn script since the early 2000s. Generate a shitload of hype in the offseason and not do it damn thing with it well here's the thing though this is probably on paper right now this is the easiest little schedule since 2014 maybe yeah I mean, that's a good there's, point. there's nothing there notre dame and kentucky are the two best teams on our schedule right now and sam hartman's coming in here seeing a ghost man like right. i'm not even worried about that right so, you know so number three on that is miami is the probably the third best team on that on that schedule right now from a standpoint of you know what they have coming in and the talent they have whatever it may be but they don't have Clemson. They don't have Florida State this year. They have the opportunity, at least from a standpoint of how those teams ended last year. You can make an argument that Duke is the third best team on the on the schedule next year, and that's not a knock on Duke because their their team was good last year. I think they're going to be just better this year because they have a lot of guys coming back. Yeah. But it's Duke. I mean, let's be see, let's be realistic. See, Vince, Duke is going to be good. I know you were giving me Bro. grief when I was uh, no. talking about it earlier. Duke is going to be good. <laughs> They returned no. damn near everyone on a good offense and had yeah, that solid offense defense. is going to be impressive. They they lost Shaka Hayward on defense, which is I thought was a really good linebacker for them. But they bring back a lot on offense, and you know, but but when you look at Louisville's schedule, you know, from a standpoint of hey, it's a legit chance to win the ACC. Win the ACC that's not that's not smoke. That's an actual. I mean, I, I think from my standpoint, on paper right now, from what their schedule looks like. The win total should be increased from last year. I think anything less than eight wins is going to be a disappointment based on what we know at this moment in April. Now, when the when the fall hits and there's you know we we see what everyone's roster truly looks like, including Louisville's. Louisville hasn't lost any players to the portal over the last week, but the spring games on Friday, and there's going to be some guys that maybe decide that hey, maybe I want to go somewhere else and and see if I can have more playing time. Maybe I'm fine here, but I can be better somewhere else. I mean, Monty Montgomery is a guy that was going to be starting coming back. He's got Mark Ivey as his coach, you know, some familiarity. 
and still decided to leave. You don't, you know, you never know with these guys what might spur them to go on. We obviously saw last spring Tyler Harrell decided to leave after a, a spring where he was probably going to be the number one guy. So you know, you know, you don't, you, we don't know what's going to happen. But right now, at this moment, Louisville's schedule lines up for them to have a really good fall. And you know, I don't think it's out of the question to say, hey, I could see them being much better than they have been so far in the ACC over the last decade, and maybe getting that ten win plateau. Maybe even challenging to win to be in the point that they can be in the championship game. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Now that might change in in August though. That twenty sixteen team is going undefeated with this schedule. Exactly. Our quarterback, right? oh man, not playing Florida State, not playing Clemson. Granted, we beat Clem, uh, Florida State that year, but we did lose to Clemson. No, hundred. It's just it, it, right now with what they have coming back, with what you hope to see out of Jeff Brom and this offense and whatnot. And what we've seen at least so far with how they've replaced some of these defensive players, I don't think there's a fall off for Louisville with their new coaching staff. I think they at least hold serve. And then you go from playing one of the let's not even one of them, the hardest schedule Louisville's had since they've been in the ACC was last year. And they go to probably the easiest one. I mean, you put it all together and it's it's not out of the question to say, hey, they should be improved this year based on who they're playing. So Scott Satterfield left because he wanted a challenge, right? right. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. I love that. All right. Well, that's going to do it here on the show. Um, before we get to kind of finish this thing off, I do want to point out one last thing. And Keith, you touched on it is that um, there will be more transfers coming from the Louisville side. There's going to be guys that will leave and more scholarships will open. So this roster is not finalized by any means, but it will be exciting to see what they look like on the field for the first time under Jeff Brom. Uh, and this new staff on Friday night, 7 p.m. Cardinal Stadium. Gates open at like, I don't know, 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, something in there. 5 o'clock. I'll be tailgating by I think the alley opens at 2 and tailgating opens at 2, but the gates for the, the game is at 6, I think. Yeah, I should have said no, the, the gates open at 6. The game starts at 7. There we go. All right. Big J journalism from Matthew McGavick right there. Uh, But that's going to do it on the show. Hopefully we'll see you out on Friday night. As we mentioned, all of us will be there celebrating football, being back for just a short blurb of our life uh, before we go into the offseason. But fear not, my friends. Next week, we have a great announcement coming from a uh, programming standpoint that will hopefully provide that that joy of offseason content around the Louisville football program. Last year we did it. Uh, this year we're going to do it bigger, and we're really excited about that. So uh, stay tuned. Next week we'll, we'll announce on the show what you can expect uh, this offseason from us. Uh, but before then, be sure that you subscribe to the show from the Pink Seats Podcast anywhere you get your podcast from. Check us out on YouTube at The State of Louisville. Check out the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Matt McGavick covering the basketball the transfer portal, the women's transfer portal, baseball, football anything else in between donovan mitchell and the the cavaliers uh doing their thing in the playoffs so uh the site is jam-packed with content there same with state of louisville.com just released a brand new basketball episode yesterday uh so be sure to check that out and then of course at keith underscore win on twitter is where you can find our friend keith deputy editor of card chronicle check out cardchronicle.com. i don't even need to tell you that like you you have that probably saved in your browser and have for like 15 years so <laughs> you know where to find his work i'm sure he'll be doing some radio hits at some point over the next couple of days with mike uh, uh talking about the spring game so be sure to check that out uh, and until next week when we come back to review some football that's exciting we will recap the Woo. game next week uh until then go cards <laughs>